Today's scripture reading is Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, to you, I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will, be all be, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest, you're stri lest you strike your foot against stone. And Jesus answered him, it is said, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading and the hearing of his word. Uh, one of the, the hallmarks of Christmas are the songs. The songs, right? I don't know if there is a, a, a holiday more decorated with songs and singing than, than Christmas. From cantatas, which we have tonight, 5 o'clock, shameless plug, to caroling, to hymn sings, the singing is plentiful and the songs are great. There are the general Christmas songs, right? Uh, like songs like chestnuts roasting on an open fire, <laughs> jingle bells, one of my favorites this, this Christmas, right? I mean, if if you are an any artist that's of any stature, you've put out a Christmas album, right? Then there are the songs that communicate the true reason for the season. Songs like, Oh Holy Night, and Away in a Manger, like we sang this morning, or Come Thou Long-Expected Jesus, or, or Oh Come All Ye Faithful, Joy to the World. These are great songs with great lyrics that communicate robust theological truths about the incarnation of Jesus. I mean, uh, lines like, he comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. That, that verse that we read in Joy to the World, it's just glorious truth, theological truth. Then a line from, come thou long expected Jesus, from our fears and sins, release us, let us find our rest in thee. Wonderful, wonderful uh, theological truths. I love singing and reflecting on these truths in the songs we sing uh, during Christmas time. There is a stanza uh, from a lesser known song. It's a a recent song that I, that I think is helpful to reflect on giving our text this morning. The songwriter and singer uh, Chris Rice has a song entitled Welcome to Our World. 
It is a song that focuses on the incarnation. Uh, his last stanza of his song says, So wrap our injured flesh around you. Breathe our air and walk our sod. Rob our sins and make us holy. Perfect son of God. Perfect son of God. Welcome to our world. Brothers and sisters, one thing that we ought not to forget is that Jesus was the perfect son of God. In, in one sense, because he was fully human, he was born like you and me. He, he entered this world as a newborn. But brothers and sisters... It is also true that he was not born like you and me. He was not born with blemish or spot. Not born with sin and rebellion. No, he was the perfect son of God. Born without spot or blemish. Born in perfect obedience to the will of his father. That truth that Jesus is fully human, but also the perfect Son of God is crucial to understanding what is going on in our text this morning. In fact, the announcement of Jesus being the perfect Son of God and Luke's focus on his humanity are the actual precursors to our text this morning. Luke's inclusion of the genealogy in chapter 3, where he, he, he shows the, the genealogy from, from Adam all the way down to Jesus, is meant to highlight and emphasize that Jesus is really a human. That when he is experiencing the temptation of, uh, of the devil that we will see in a little bit, that he is experiencing it in his humanity. He was fully human. These are real temptations that Jesus is facing. But in terms of chronology, Jesus' encounter with the devil also comes on the heels of what has been marked as the beginning of his public ministry. It is long understood that it was at his baptism that Jesus began his trek to the cross. We read this in Luke 3, 21 through 22. Now, when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, he, uh, the heavens were opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Luke wants us to see that the Father has affirmed Jesus as his perfect son, that he is indeed the perfect son of God, for that is what was needed for the mission Jesus was going to carry out. He had to be perfect. He, he had to be holy. There could be found in him no imperfection. 
if Jesus was indeed to be the Lamb of God who would take away the sin of the world, if he was indeed the long-prophesized Messiah, then he would need to be spotless, sinless, because that what was required to atone for sin. And so Jesus at his baptism was affirmed as the perfect son of God, born into this world to save. But his journey to the cross would not come easy, nor without opposition. In fact, it was part of God's plan for the son to face this opposition for a reason we will soon come to see. But, but first notice that this was the plan of God. Luke 4 and 1. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. God, Holy Spirit, is the one who led Jesus into the wilderness. This was ordained, this was an ordained meeting, a scheduled event in the life of Jesus. The plan was he would be baptized and then immediately, immediately driven into the wilderness. Brothers and sisters, we shouldn't miss a biblical pattern being demonstrated here. We see this pattern of the exaltation of exaltation to humiliation, mountaintop experience to valley experience being worked out here. So remember, Jesus has just been baptized and affirmed by his Father as the perfect Son of God with whom he is well pleased. Can you get more exalted and mountaintop experience than that? But immediately, after his baptism, after being affirmed by the Father, he is driven, Holy Spirit leads him into the wilderness. Oh, this is, this is a, a biblical pattern set to mirror what Paul reminds the Philippians of, that, that, that Jesus did not count equality with God, something to be grasped, but he took on human flesh taking on the form of a servant, exaltation to humiliation, mountaintop to valley. This is the pattern that we see. And brothers and sisters, I am sure you can no doubt re relate to that pattern in your life. The, the mountaintop experiences in our lives are often followed by wilderness experiences, valley experiences, seasons of dryness and, and barrenness. This is real, brothers and sisters. This was, the, this was the experience of the people of God as they were delivered from Egypt. You remember, they, they were all on the banks of the Red Sea being chased by the Egyptian army, watching their lives flashed before them. For them, death was imminent. But instead of death, they experienced salvation. God miraculously delivered them from the Egyptians, 
by allowing them to cross the Red Sea on dry land. They had a, can you imagine being there? Would that not have been a mountaintop experience? But then we read this in Exodus 13 and 18. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. God led them from the mountaintop into the wilderness. Oh, this, is, this, is the, this exaltation to humiliation is the pattern we see throughout Scripture. This is the pattern we see in Jesus' lives. It is the pattern we see in our lives. These wilderness experiences are used for the testing of faith and obedience, of commitment and loyalty. They, they are also used for preparation and fortification, all, all of which Jesus experienced. Here is the point. Wilderness experiences have a purpose. They have a purpose. They are not random or ever wasted. You, like Jesus, are sent into the wilderness for a purpose. I might not know why you're in the wilderness. I, I don't know why the Lord might have sent you there. But I know this. It is accomplishing good in you and for you. <laughs> And, and so you ought to always remember that, that, that my wilderness experience has a purpose. I might not know why the Lord has me here, but I know it's for a purpose. And while I don't know the reason for your wilderness experience, the Bible communicates and helps us to see the reason for Jesus' wilderness experience. Jesus was sent into the wilderness to encounter the devil. To encounter the devil. Brothers and sisters, this, is, uh, 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 this event is in the life of Jesus is significant. This, you do understand, it needed to happen. It was foreordained. Jesus went into the wilderness for a purpose. This was preordained. All the gospel, the, the, the Matthew, Mark, they, they, they make mention of it again to signify its importance in the ministry of Jesus. So why? Okay, okay Pastor Phil, get to the point. <laughs> why? Why is it important? Why is it significant? Well, the temptation, pun intended, when looking at this passage or hearing it preached, is to think that Jesus encountered the devil and faced these temptations as an example for us in how to face and deal with the temptations we face. That's the temptation. Now listen, we are going to look at how Jesus combated the devil's temptation. And there are indeed things, there are some strategies that we can glean from how he encountered these temptations and dealt with these temptations from the devil. We can, we're going to see some of those things in our text. But please, please note that Jesus did not face the devil's temptations simply as an example for us. 
He faced the devil's temptation for us so that you and I would not have to. Not as an example, for us. But he faced the devil for us. For us. Huge, huge difference, brothers and sisters. That is a huge difference. You will see this passage differently if you understand that. That he didn't faced the devil's temptation simply as an example for us. But he faced it for us. He faced him for us. Can I give you, can I give you a golf illustration for a minute? One of the more difficult shots in, uh, in golf is the, is the tee shot, hitting, hitting a driver. Right? It's the first shot you hit. Uh, what uh, makes it so difficult is that you, you, you've got to hit the, the idea with your driver is that you've got to hit it as far as you can and as straight as you can. Now, I, maybe you've seen that on TV, you've seen Tiger Woods do it, and that might seem like it's easy. It's not easy. It is quite difficult. It's, it's actually hard, it's hard for me. For Pastor Tony, it's pretty easy. He can hit it far and he can hit it straight. Yeah, right. He wouldn't be here if he could do that. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> right? It's, 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 it's fairly difficult. Um, you know, I, I can hit a golf ball, but sometimes I can, I can hit it, I, I hit it uh, far, but not straight. And sometimes I hit it straight, but not far. It's a difficult shot. But when I go to uh, some tournaments, golf tournaments for uh, 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 charity and such like that, you, you, you go up to some of the tees and they have a golf professional sometimes there or, or college golfer. And the, their role is to hit the tee shot for you, right? So that you, you, have, you have an advantage, right? They, they, they hit the tee shot for you. Now, when I get up there, he doesn't say, okay, watch what I do, right? And, 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 and follow, use my example, and then you get up and hit and use your tee shot. No, no, no. He says, I am going to hit this for you so you don't have to. Why, why would I get up there and hit a ball not as far, not as straight as the professional can do it? Jesus did not face this temptation as an example for us. He faced it for us. He hit the shot for us. Um, you know, you see, if Jesus was just an example for us, we would come up short every time. Every time. We would not stand a chance. How do I know that? Because you and I had our shot in Adam and he failed. He failed. We had another shot in the people of God and they wandered for 40 years in the desert. They failed too. We had our shot. That is why Jesus had to come. Not as our example, but as our substitute. Besides, you and I stand no chance against the temptation of the devil. 
You, you and I, uh, you, know, you know how I know, because we get worn out by his minions, <laughs> by, by his foot soldiers, his, his lower level soldiers. We, we, we couldn't even stand the thought of an all out, of, uh, out attack like Jesus faced from the devil. Uh, that's, this is why we, when we make statements like, the devil made me do it, <laughs> uh, we have no idea what we are talking about. The devil himself is not messing with you, but his, his minions are. <laughs> his foot soldiers are, and we can't even handle them. Well, brothers and sisters, so as we walk through this text, don't focus on Jesus as your example. Focus on him as your substitute. Uh, the writer to the Hebrews admonishes us to do that in Hebrews 4, 14 through 15. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Jesus is our high priest. He bore the temptation for us. Jesus was, you do understand, being led into the wilderness to accomplish what Adam failed to do. Namely, resist the full-on attack of the enemy. What Adam could not do, Jesus was going to accomplish. Brothers and sisters, the circumstances around Jesus' temptation were far greater than what Adam faced. Jesus met the devil in the wilderness. Adam encountered the devil in the garden east of Eden. Jesus met the devil at the end of a 40-day fast, suffering from hunger. Adam, when, when he was tempted, wanted for nothing and had every fruit available to him for him to enjoy. Jesus encountered three temptations from the devil. Adam only endured one. The deck was stacked against Jesus as he was about to encounter the devil. Would, would he endure? Would he withstand the attack and resist the temptations of the tempter? The tempter. That is who approached Jesus. Matthew calls him that. The tempter. Matthew 4, 3. And, and the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Matthew calls him the tempter. Paul calls him that as well, 1 Thessalonians 3 and 5. For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith for fa fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and, your, and our labor would be in vain. That is who the devil is. It is part of his strategy. He is a tempter seeking to entice people away from the truth, away from the good and life-giving commands of God. That was, was Paul's concern for the Thessalonians. He, he feared that the devil would seek to draw them away from their faith, from the faith they had so eagerly embraced. 
And he will do that. Brothers and sisters, Satan, Satan may be powerful, but his tactics, you do understand, they don't change. He is a tempter who tempts the same way. He was going to seek to tempt Jesus the same way he tempted Adam and Eve. The devil approaches Jesus and seeks him, seeks to get him to question the word of God. That's what he did. That's the, and you know what? That's the same tactic he used with Eve. <laughs> Genesis 3 and 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Getting them, getting her to, to distrust the, the word of God. He does the same thing with Jesus. Luke 4 and 3, the devil said to him, if you are the son of God. Do you see it? The, the, the devil was tempting him to use his power to make bread for himself. Yes, yes. But he was ultimately trying to get Jesus to doubt the word of God, to question his pronouncement of him. Remember, God the Father had just declared Jesus as the Son and expressed his great pleasure with him. Now Satan comes to him and says, if you are the Son of God, in other words, is that really true? You can't really believe that you are the Son of God. If so, then prove it. Prove it. Prove it by satisfying your need and taking matters into your own hands. Turn these, these stones into bread. Oh, brothers and sisters, lest you think this was not much of a temptation, you have never been hungry. <laughs> never been hungry, perhaps. This, remember, we, this is, Jesus is truly, is fully human. This is a real temptation. He, he had been fasting for 40 days. The text says he was hungry. Hunger will make you do some desperate and uncharacteristic things. So the devil uses that. But notice, notice this tactic. The scheme of the devil did not work on Jesus. Jesus' response, Luke 4, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone. He was satisfied, Jesus was satisfied with the Father. But more importantly, Jesus knew the Father was pleased with him. He had declared it so. His food, he told his disciples in John, was to do the will of his Father. He might have been hungry physically, but you do understand, spiritually, he was full. He, he, he knew life was not in bread, but but in the Father who gives life. And in that, he was full. He was satisfied. During those 40 days that he was fasting from food, he, 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 might, he was hungry, but he, he was feasting on the communion of his Father. And so he was full. Full. 
What do you think fasting is? It's not just a restraining from food. Spending time communing with the Heavenly Father. Having Him satisfy us. Oh, Jesus was satisfied. And so he says, man shall not live by bread alone. He was satisfied. But the devil wasn't. He wasn't going to give up that easy. If if tempting him to distrust the word of God wouldn't work, he was sure tempting him to choose a different path would. So he enticed Jesus to subvert the plans of the Father by telling Jesus that he could receive lordship and glory by not going to the cross. All he would need to do was worship him. Satan, you do understand, was tempting Jesus with another way. He says, look, look, I will give you all of the, you see all these kingdoms? I will give you all the kingdoms of this world. You can have them. They will bow down and worship you simply if you bow down and worship me. Me. Yet again, another tactic the enemy uses. Enticing people to take the easier path to glory through unlawful means. Uh, But you do understand, brothers and sisters, there are no shortcuts in the kingdom of God. Matthew 16 and 24, Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. There There is no easy way to glory. In fact, this promise that, that, say, that the devil gives to Jesus, that he would give him all of the, these kingdoms, Satan was making a promise he couldn't even deliver on. Remember, he is not only called the tempter, he is called the deceiver as well. <laughs> the father of lies, the Bible calls him. You think he had the authority to give Jesus the kingdoms of this world? Of course not. This temptation, this temptation doesn't move Jesus either. And he answers in verse 8. It is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Jesus, he wasn't wasn't interested in the easy road. He knew that joy and exaltation would only come through his obedience, even to the point of death, death on a cross. He had come to serve the will of his Father. For glory by any other way other than the cross was not something Jesus was going to entertain. You, you remember when, when, when Peter came and tempted him with the same thing. 
Jesus told the disciples that he was going to be delivered over to the chief priests and the, and the elders and that they were going to put him to death. And do you remember how Peter responded? He pulled them aside and, and he said, Jesus, that will never be. And then how did Jesus answer? Mark 8 and 33, but turning to and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. <laughs> Satan had failed again. Tried to get him with the, with the bread, tried to get him to, 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 dis, to, to disbelieve the word of God. He he tries to get him to, to take a different path to, to glory, to take the easier path to glory. But Jesus was not given into assault, his assault. I guess the, the devil figured that the third time would be a, the charm. He wasn't done. So once more, he took Jesus, it says, up to, up to the highest point in Jerusalem on, on the temple, and mocked him once again. If, if you are the son of God, he says, throw yourself off this temple and call the angels to come and catch you. So bold was the devil in his temptation, in this temptation, he used the word of God to entice Jesus to try to take the bait. Referencing Psalm 91 verses 11 and 12, we see it here written in Luke 4, 10 through 11. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you. And on their hands, they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. The devil, he was seeking to get Jesus to misuse the promises of God, to misuse his power for personal gain. In other words, to test the Lord's goodness. Would the Lord do what he said he would do? Once again, brothers and sisters, we ought not to be unaware of the wiles and the schemes of the devil. This, this is a common tactic that he and his minions use. They want you to doubt the goodness and promises of God by using the scriptures in a way that they were never intended to be used. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you doesn't mean you can jump out a window and fly. Sounds extreme, I know, but I'm hoping you get the point. The temptation is to misuse and presume upon the promises of God. It's a temptation that we all face. To presume upon his grace. To presume upon his promises. But Jesus knew the tactics of the evil one. He knew what the devil was seeking to do. And therefore, this temptation fell flat as well. Jesus answered him, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Jesus knew his father to be good. He knew him to be good. He knew his promises were true. He did not need to put the Lord to the test. 
Three times. Three times the devil tried to tempt Jesus to doubt the goodness of the Father. To, to abandon the, the mission and to take things into his own hands. And three times Jesus resisted. And how did he do it? What, was, what, what strategy did he employ? What, what did Jesus do to resist the devil? Well, he did, first, he didn't get angry with him. He didn't try to, to fight him. This wasn't about willpower. He resisted the temptations of the devil with the word of God. That's what he did. All of Jesus' answers to the devil were quoted from the scriptures, Deuteronomy to be specific. That's because Jesus was the word of God made flesh. There was no sin in him because the word of God was in him. The psalmist says in Psalm 119, 11, that he has hidden the word in his heart that he might not sin against God. Jesus was the word and therefore did not sin against God. Every temptation that the devil offered to Jesus was met with the word of God. Oh, and so, is this not a lesson for us? Oh, this, this is an example that we can take. Yes, yes, we can, we can follow the example here of Jesus, that, that when the devil seeks to tempt us, that we ought to be answering it with the word of God to help resist the devil, to resist his temptation. We can do what Jesus did. But remember, brothers and sisters, this text is not simply about doing what Jesus did. This is about seeing what Jesus has done. What he has done. Because the reality is sometimes you will resist the temptations. You will. You, 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 you will uh, a temptation will come and, and Holy Spirit will bring a, a word to your mind to help you resist the temptation. But the reality is there are some temptations that you are going to give into. We do doubt the goodness of God. We do take the easy road through unlawful means. We test the promises of God. You have and you will believe again the lies of the devil. Some of us will hear this message this morning and fall to temptation this afternoon. Now listen, the, the, the enemy, the enemy, and even his foot soldiers that we deal with regularly are powerful. They, they are cunning, and their, their, their attacks are fierce. Look, look, I love the song. I'm sure you've heard it. Shake, shake, shake. Shake the devil off. <laughs> Have you heard that song before? Shake, 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 shake the devil off. It's a catchy song. I, I love the song, but, but I'm sorry. That just doesn't work. You and I lack the ability to just shake the devil off. 
I, I, I wish, I wish that, 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 that shirt that says, not today, Satan, that I could just say that and, and everything would be good. But I, there are too many times I fall prey to temptation. Shake, shake, shake the devil off is hard for us to do. But you know who did? Jesus shook him off. He shook the devil off three times, and he did that for us. Shook the devil off for us. Jesus accomplished what Adam failed to do. He resisted the devil, and he had to flee. Luke 4 and 13, and when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Jesus, the new Adam, had passed the test. And the additional temptations, they would come. You see that in the life of Jesus. He is being tempted at every turn to, to disbelieve the promises of God, to, to take a, a different road, different path to the cross. But this defeat in the wilderness was a foreshadow of what was to come. Oh, Jesus was going to defeat the devil. He was the one who had come to do what Adam could not do. He was the perfect son of God, the perfect son you and I needed to stand in our place. It is his perfect obedience we rest in. It is his resisting of the devil's temptations that gets credited to us. Ah, that is why this encounter needed to happen. Jesus was facing the devil for us so that when we face temptation, we have a helper, not just a helper to endure the temptation, but one who has endured it for us. Hebrews 2 and 18, for because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. He helps us. He helped us by standing in our place, facing the schemes and the wiles of the devil. And he won. He won. He shook the devil off for us. Let's pray.